Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground. This is episode 43, Gospel Smackdown. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us, from the Power of Change headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia, at my co-host and partner in crime shed, Reed Monahan. My name is Jesse Gurry. I'm hosting today. Reed, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. We got the word SmackDown in our title, so I'm, <laughs> I'm fired up, man. Yeah, we were brainstorming about titling it, and uh, what a surprise <laughs> that the wrestler decided to go with SmackDown. That's I right, love that's it. That's right. We're jumping off the top ropes. Now, I assume today. your wrestling career in college was a lot like WWE? No, it was nothing like <laughs> it, because we were actually actual real athletes and not uh, fake entertainers. Uh, like Ron- Ronda on. Rousey is calling out the whole WWE on being fake. Uh, now we were legit Olympic level kind of people Come doing on. stuff. I wasn't Come personally. On. They're Olympic, athletes. Yeah. yeah, they are athletes. They're probably a little more. They can do like backflips and stuff. Yeah, do, they can do steroids too. I think without being tested. I think you know. So yeah, those guys uh, and girls are yeah they're pretty fit though. They're doing their uh, theatrics. That's right. On a in a ring. Yeah. So how's your how's your family? Family's doing well. We're in the midst of uh, high school uh, soccer season, so we yeah. had, had a game last night. Didn't start till like eight o'clock in Roanoke, so we didn't get home till almost eleven o'clock. But uh, yeah, it's going well. K- assistant coach and two uh, two girls on the team. Kayla scored a goal. They won last night. One nothing. One nothing. Yeah. So Kylie's sick. She's had the flu or something for a week, and so she play, tried to play and did well, but coughed her lungs. She's coughing all the time, so oh, she's yeah. probably a week or two from being ready to roll. But, yeah. yeah. Proud of Kayla with the game winning goal. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those things where she just kind of pushed the goalie out of the way and the ball rolled in. It was like on a corner, the ball was high, and she just just bodied bodied her up, gave her a little smackdown in the in the the box. (laughs) Not a gospel smackdown. No, 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 just a goalie 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 smackdown. smackdown. Nice. How about you, man? What's going on? Oh man, I got a I got a sick little baby at home. Mm -hmm. Kept me up all night last night, but. uh, and by sick, you mean has some sort of infection? Not like yeah, she really got cool. she, well. No, she yeah, got not, a sick not, baby. No, man. not she, cool. Um, <laughs> she had a vaccine last week that we think is uh, there's some side effects, and so. Um, but the good effects of vaccines yeah, are worth. No, we, we this is worth, it. We've decided to go anti-vaxxer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm already a flat earther. Yeah, we want to bring measles back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, there's a reason it's called C level yeah, and not right. C curve. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's like anti-vaxxer uh, bringing whoop, whooping cough back to the 21st century. Uh, no, sorry, we, sorry our anti-vaxxing friends out there. I know yes, you're pulling yeah. your out and angry at us. That's right. right yeah, yeah, we're. Uh, we're indoctrinated. We're yeah. yeah. I, I, I want her to have have mind control with the government and Thanks. whatnot. They <laughs> they they get us with the chemtrails in the sky anyway. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. I can't help myself. Did, but do you realize you have to have an ID to buy like uh, Nyquil or something from the grocery store now? Like they check your ID like you're buying wine. I no. think kids are like doing like making meth or something out of that. Is that why? Yeah, I think so. When we were kids, it was a simpler time. We would just drink the Nyquil. <laughs> I mean, not we as in me, but yeah, your friends. They were doing yeah, whi- yeah, my friends. Whippets with that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. let's not uh, let's they not were, describe unhealthy they were sipping, habits. Sipping on some scissor. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, sick baby, but uh, otherwise good. Otherwise good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And Jesse is in full head to toe denim today. Just come for on, folks out there who want to know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm the lead host here. <laughs> okay, I'm the one. Okay. Reed is wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, it's sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> Low fashion. Uh, Listen, the reason I'm in head-to-toe denim is because I came in here and I had on just my denim pants, (laughs) i.e. jeans, and a button-up shirt, 
and it's freezing in here. Yeah, I, it's I, so cold. You're in a t-shirt. There's something wrong with you. It's 59 degrees. It's in 59 here. Yeah. degrees in the shed quarters. And so I went back to my car to get my glasses jean, jean jacket and then i thought I, i'm gonna put a jean jacket on Amen. i'm going full-on canadian tuxedo hey we watched the trailer for stranger things three do you think they'll have members only jackets in that, in mm, that have they not yet i don't know they probably have yeah that was a thing parachute that was pants, a thing yeah 1980s culture yeah. Stranger Things. the new stranger things trailer came out today i think and it, it looks fantastic. fantastic laughed at it multiple times and and uh still looks like it's gonna have a lot of wild action yeah a lot of synthesizer music still that's, yes uh, yeah brings me back reminds us of our childhood 80s kids represent yeah. well friends today our topic is gospel smackdown uh, we're gonna be talking about when we fight about the gospel uh does anyone really win? Uh, what are we fighting about? You know, we are the gospel underground. Gospel's in our name. And, uh, and we're, we exist in the borderlands between the culture and the church. So we, we really, you know, that's what we pride ourselves on is, the, is existing in the, in, in the borderlands, kind of the, the, the bordering um, kind of boundary marker. And, uh, and, and we've spent time defining culture and what is culture discussing good and bad ways to engage with and live within the culture. Uh, but we haven't spent much time discussing the gospel itself. And so uh, actually right now in the evangelical Christian world, uh, which is a strange world, isn't it, Reed? Stranger things. It's a strange world. It's it, it, Sometimes it becomes the underground world. Um, yeah, there, there, is a, there is a battle about, what, about the gospel. Uh, about what is the gospel? There are uh, there are battle lines. Um, one place where we've seen this recently is the, and we've mentioned this before, the statement on social justice. I, I believe that came out last year, and uh, in the statement on social justice, um, there were, I believe it was twelve or so guys who got together, and uh, they were concerned with this idea of social justice, and um, which we'll define here in a minute. And so they decided that they were going to create a statement on what it, what exactly is the gospel. And what is social justice? And, uh, and that has spurned all kinds of debates. Uh, now, here's the way that those debates are often framed. They're often kind of a uh, gospel of the cross on the one side and gospel of the kingdom on the other side. Now, uh, the one way that helps me think about this is the gospel of the cross is a uh, primarily vertical kind of way of viewing the gospel and the gospel of the kingdom is a primarily horizontal. In other words, the gospel of the cross is, I've got a problem. My my sin, uh, my own, uh, I, I, there's something wrong with me. There's something that separates me from God who created me and uh, has a design for me and that there's there's some sort of penalty that needs to be paid. I'm guilty. Right. And the cross is the is kind of the decisive moment in which God uh, transfers that guilt to his son who willingly takes the cross of pays his own the agency, penalty. pays the penalty. And then vertically, my relationship with God is uh, is is made right. Whereas the gospel of the kingdom traditionally is more horizontal. This is more of like uh, Jesus has come to conquer evil and sin. He's come to where well, there's a decisive victory in the cosmos. And now God is setting the world to rights. Um, and this, this would involve kind of some of the loving our neighbors type activity that the church has, has historically, uh, been good at, uh, as far as caring for the poor and, uh, needy. And so these things get pitted against each other. 
Uh, and so we 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 really have this sort of battle swirling around around us. Now, uh, what happens often in the battle is names be, are, are thrown across across the battle lines because because you're you're looking at things that kind of get historically um, in smackdowns, for instance, in the early 20th yeah. century. Uh, in late 19th century, when folks were talking more about social issues, helping people, serving, doing good works, uh, maybe dropping, you know, God died for people uh, that to save us from sin, wrath, and judgment, individual salvation. And so people go, wait a second, you can't drop that. Yeah. And so you get real nervous about things like social justice if you're not talking about substitutionary atonement That's or right. Jesus dying for people, saving sinners, individuals. Uh, and so I think people get jumpy, right? Oh, people this, get yeah. super jumpy. That's right. Especially uh, conservative evangelicals tend to get jumpy. And uh, yeah, and even historically, um, you know, the word fundamentalist when yeah. describing Christians uh, comes out of this kind of uh, early 20th century um, battle, the, the kind of the original vertical versus horizontal gospel smackdown. So instead of a statement of social justice, maybe there was a listing of the fundamentals the of fundamentals, Christianity, and we're right. going to hold to these and maybe retrench ourselves from society, and then they, people were called fundamentalist, which is kind of a bad word Became today. A, yeah, a pejorative term. You yeah. Know. yeah, at the time it was, you know, uh, if you go back and, and research, like Reed said, there's the fundamentals of the faith, these writings that came out uh, that were, in a sense— um, you know, speaking against the idea that we're going to, uh, you know, that the, the gospel is the good news, that the church can bring the kingdom to earth, the church can can, uh, can kind of realize Jesus' uh, description of prayer as uh, thy kingdom come. And so there was this kind of battle. You know, actually, uh, one of my theological heroes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, found himself in the middle of this battle when he came to New York uh, in the 30s and um, to study, and he found himself kind of right in the in the— in the heart conflict in seminaries over this kind of that's thinking, right. right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he found himself right in the heart of uh, theological liberalism which was uh, maybe more which was the horizontal view the uh, which at the time was kind Do of justice for the poor that's help right the oppressed yep. right set yep. the captive free yep which which uh, was really influenced by uh, this view that that God is at work he's the kingdom is coming it's being established. And um, and our job is not to, you know, uh, preach a gospel of repentance, but is to love our neighbors. And so now he found when he came to New York to study, he found that there was really no life, no gospel in the midst of that. And so which is why he ended up in Harlem worshiping with uh, black brothers and sisters mm-hmm. you know, in the midst of the Harlem Renaissance uh, going to, because he found the gospel there. Uh, right, right. And so uh, so this is this this battle, this sort of smackdown is not something new to our age uh, but it's certainly re- kind of resurfacing now because we 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 find ourselves in this uh, pretty crazy time where social justice um, on the one side and uh, what maybe so here, here's some of the terms that get thrown across the aisle um, if you are a horizontal gospel person a gospel of the kingdom person uh, you you may be called a cultural Marxist, uh, you might be called um, social justice social warrior, justice warrior. Uh, and 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 really you are uh, you know you you are viewed as a snowflake, someone who's um, you know caught up in their feelings for other people, and and uh, and then on the other side, uh, the word white privilege gets thrown backwards quite a bit. 
Uh, and they, when when these things happen, or white evangelicalism white e- as a yeah. source of kind of oppression, yeah, yeah, Hist- that's right. Historically, yeah, yeah. Uh, eighty one would be a would be a number that is kind of a a, a hot button number right now because uh, because of the eighty one percent of white evangelicals that supposedly voted for Donald Trump, and which was for someone on the left side of this binary of this divide uh, proof. That white privilege and racism undergirds this uh, the the kind of vertical gospel gospel of the cross. That it's just a political movement. That's kind right. Of shrouded. Yeah. And, yeah. We yeah. would want to challenge both of these assumptions today. Yeah. I yeah. I want to challenge both mm-hmm. of these assumptions today and say that we we actually lose a lot when we throw names across the aisle, especially in the Twitterverse. But that's a whole nother thing. But um, <laughs> and so so there are battle lines drawn. We find ourselves in the midst of this, and often. Um, uh, when when shots are fired across the lines, um, well, people get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Where relationships get fractured. That's right. Coalitions can't form maybe to work for uh, kingdom and gospel goodness together because we, we start to uh, split. That's right. There's fragmentation. There's, give each other the Twitter smackdown. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and, the, and, and, and people are watching. And rather than seeing the, a beautiful picture of unity around essentials, what people see is uh, Twitter smackdowns and takedowns and uh, really uh, breaking of the ninth commandment of slandering and, and uh, false, testimony. false testimony, bearing false testimony against each other. So we find ourselves in the midst of this really great battle. And, uh, and yet, you know, I was, read, I was reading some books on the gospel recently. And one of the interesting things is it's, it's actually incredibly difficult to find a definition of the gospel. So even in books where gospel is in the title, often it will be assumed that we all know what the author means when he says gospel. Um, and so I was kind of going through trying to figure out what, how are people actually defining gospel in print. And, uh, and I, I had a hard time. You know, one, one place... Um, that uh, Matt Chandler in Gospel, oh, what's the name of the book? Read. It's I don't. Gos- Gospel Wakefulness? No, that's Jared Wilson. Okay, I'll figure this out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he 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 uses the gospel in the air and gospel in the ground right, illustrations right, right. of the gospel, and there's some definition there. You know, gospel in the air being kind of the the ten thousand foot level of uh, big story, big story of the Bible and and the story of redemption, and gospel in the ground is a little bit more of the the practical personal repentance. I need to, I hear this and I need to respond to it. Uh, what, what I want to do with our time today. Yeah, go Tim, ahead. Tim Keller, who's super smart, I think calls that synchronic and dichronic. Anyway, that's just worthless words for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stick with air and ground. Yeah, air, <laughs> it's a little more, uh, less yeah, Manhattan-y. yeah. And, and I, and I will find that book. Yeah. I, I have it. So, um, I'll look it up. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. So, uh, Here's here's what I want to work on with you. This is a bit of a kind of a theological back and forth. Reed and I were already doing this before we started to record. Uh, we want to sharpen each other as we... Uh, the, the explicit gospel. Thank you. I guess it has explicit lyrics in that. Uh, yeah, book. that's yeah. the <laughs> parental, <laughs> go- parental warning. Um, yeah, so we, we I want to put forward a, a picture of the gospel today that can be both unifying and still still have boundaries. Yeah. Uh, but I want to challenge our typical way of viewing uh, of viewing the gospel. The typical way that we view it is, I think, binary. It's either a one or an O. It's either uh, it's on a it's on a straight line. So there's left or right. Let's say. And typically, what happens is if we're on this straight line, left and right, 
And let's say there's even a gradient uh, and it goes, you know, it kind of shades in one direction or the other. If you aren't, you know, if you're somewhere along the line that's not in the same place as other people, those people will think you're sliding, Right. You're moving. You're shifting right. over to the other side. Right. I'm, I'm doing scare quotes you're right now. You're becoming a theological liberal or a fundamentalist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and th- those are the two slides, yeah, right? Yeah. You're, you're sliding towards fundamentalism. Slide to the right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so uh, what you're saying is crisscross. Is that what you're telling me? Oh man, we are going straight <laughs> up early '90s. <laughs> Keep going, man. Sorry okay. for my distractions. Okay, this is good though. Um, uh, that's right. Yeah. So, um, some of this came out for me when when. Uh, Recently, I was doing a uh, facilitating a classroom discussion, and I asked the question, what must be shared when we share the gospel? Secondarily, what can be shared? Like, what's mm-hmm. okay to share? You can, you can do this. If you're sharing the gospel, you can talk about this. And then what's too much? What, what must not be shared? Like, um, is there something that people maybe typically do when they share the gospel? And, uh, and, and, and there was just a wide variety of ideas about this. Some people would say that that gospel in the air, uh, the kind of 10,000 foot level is just, um, it's really just a biblical theology. It's not the gospel. You're summarizing the Bible with yeah. categories like creation, yeah. fall, creation, redemption. fall, redemption. Maybe, maybe you're a little bit more nuanced creation, fall, promise, Israel, redemption, restoration. But, uh, but in any case, it's, you know, you're basically, that's the Bible, Yeah. but the yeah. gospel isn't the whole Bible. Right. So, right. so then there's, uh, some that would say the gospel must include things like ethnic reconciliation and justice, uh, must include things like um, uh, loving justice, walking humbly, loving mercy, extending mercy to others, caring for widows and orphans. Yeah, um, take care of your family. Yeah, and so uh, so there is a kind of swirling chaos where um, where there's not a lot of agreement about what this is. I actually think that uh, often when we talk about the gospel, uh, there's we, we we mean different things, yeah. And yeah. when we mean different things about the same word, yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's really hard to get on the same page. Yeah, and I I think there's a lot of um, writing that's been done recently um, to try to clarify that at least um, what you know. Hey, what here's what me and my friends mean when we say yeah. the gospel, or when we say we're gospel centered. Yeah, I'm involved with a gospel centered church planting network. Uh, called Acts 29. There is no Acts 29 in the Bible, but it's a biblical idea to be uh, gospel-centered. What do we mean by that, right? It's uh, because different people mean different things when they say gospel. Yeah. That's right. And uh, and um, and so when we, that's exactly right. As, as, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast is because Reed and I are seeing that the the locus of meaning, like what, where do we gain the meaning for the word, the gospel, the idea, the the vision for um, what the gospel is, where does that come from? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, like I, I think everyone who calls themselves a Christian would agree it comes from the Bible, but what does that mean? Uh, you know, um, the, the, this debate about the meaning of the gospel isn't new, but like we said, but it's especially kind of uh, volatile right now because whereas in the early 20th century, there was still a bit of a, an agreement about where's our source yeah. Um, right now, the source of meaning is uh, it's inside of me. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, in, in his uh, The Twilight of the Idols, Nietzsche says this, the text has disappeared under the interpretation. And that that's the end of the quote that that basically stands at the fountainhead of our 
of our hermeneutic or our understanding of texts now. Right, right. What is the interpretation? What does that mean? Well, it's whatever you say it means. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We Person centric, or even you know, Robbie Zachariah said this is a generation that uh, uh, thinks with its feelings. Right. It's yeah. Like you just kind of oh, what what feels right? Well, yeah. that's right. You know. Yep. Yeah. What's okay. that mean? Whatever it means to you. What's what's your truth? Well, that's true for me. You know? Exactly. So, and when and when and and I think. It, this has become the de facto. I, I, it's not just that I think it. This has become the de facto way of looking at the world and understanding things, right, understanding right. our place in the right. world. And there's an academic level understanding of that where you get get uh, deconstructionism. That's text. right. It followed Nietzsche, 19th century German philosopher who, you know, was popular for many things. Probably his most popular quote is "What doesn't kill you make you stronger." Also taken up by Kelly Clarkson. But also, the God is dead. I, I didn't yeah. know that he, he was the original. Oh, Kelly. Yeah. oh I didn't yeah, know that. that. Okay. That's where that comes from. Yeah, the God, but the God is dead movement. Keep yeah, going. With, with God being dead, he is his contention. And I think rightly, consistently, uh, was if that, that source of reference, if there's a yeah. point of reference, a God's eye view, and that is gone. That, that's not. That's a phantasm that's made up by people that doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. Then what is the definitive point of view? Well, there is none. In his his famous uh, poem, um, where he says, "Is there any up nor down? Is there? Any, yeah. Aren't we in uh, straining into an infinite nothing? Isn't everything moving?" Um, he knew the implications of taking that God's eye view out of the world, and we're left with perspectives. Right? That's right. Either individual perspectives, or communal perspectives, or multi perspectives, uh, intersectional perspectives, and everyone fighting then, willing to power to try to define the truth because that is an instrument where people, one group of people over another, you know, force their, their, their will on. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then then all that, all that remains is the will to power. Right. right. And, and and so these truth statements become, uh, generated from the self, right? Because, uh, because what, what is at the core of us is self-realization, authenticity of the self, self-determining meaning. And then we self-creation of meaning. That's right. Generation of meaning. And then it becomes uh, a a power struggle. That's right. And um, yeah. Keep going. And so the Christian community um, is a resistance community to this sort of idea. Uh, We don't think man is the measure of all things. We don't think one group of people or race of people or political faction of people defines things. We do believe that there is a God's eye view, and it is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And that's where the Bible becomes very important as well, because it gives testimony to Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. That's right. And here's one of my uh, uh, presuppositions here, Reed, and you can feel free to disagree with me. We haven't we haven't come on the same page here with this before, but right, right. Um, I think that this way of viewing the world has um, has uh, unwittingly been, uh, you know, it's like glasses, right? Yeah, I wear glasses, yeah. Yeah. and I don't see my glasses. I just see the world through my glasses, and right. I, and I think um, I think much of the church actually still does see the world in this way. And so the, there's a resistance to um, an external authoritative. Yeah. Uh, this is the truth, and 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 I think it I think it muddies up the water when it, when we when we're having these kind of discussions about the gospel. Yeah. And Jesse, just just to be clear too, um, back to you. I don't think the insights of deconstructionism or Nietzsche, Foucault, Derrida are are fully wrong. I think people do. Um, oppress others with viewpoints. I do think there are perspectives that are just willing to power because of the sinful nature of people, right? This is stuff we do. Um, But to say we're hopelessly captured in a fog of nothingness 
uh, eliminates the idea that God could speak or God could become flesh in a wonderful self-revelatory act right. uh, and then speak to us in language uh, that we can understand uh, because he, he wants to. And I think that's where we have to seek, you know, God's point of view, so to speak, given to us uh, in Jesus Christ through through the Holy Scriptures. Now, does that make it easy? No, because we're we're talking about what the gospel is. That's right. Which is a Bible word, right? Good news. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so, you know, I mentioned at the beginning this idea of the or at some point the left, right, the binary view of the gospel or definitions of the gospel, not necessarily of the gospel, which locate us somewhere on this gradients, right. which is a line, and we're either left or we're right, right. Uh, or maybe a good way to put it is we're either right or we're wrong, <laughs> right. you know, because it's, it's good and bad, and we're the good, yeah. um, and I want to challenge that. Uh, I want to challenge that because I think oftentimes both sides of the debate, and, and when we think about this in a zero-sum sort of way as though uh, they're going to sim- sort of zero out, and like it's either this way or that way, right. and it can't be... Uh, and now I, I'm not saying it is both, and we'll, and we'll right, get to that in a minute. Right, right. Um, but that, but that both sides of the debate do have valid biblical truths to offer. Uh, but sadly, those truths are often missed. Right. You know, under the din of the debate itself. Right. So, for instance, it, it, if somebody is reading the Bible, they're going to read things about this. It has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, sight to the blind. Uh, to free free the oppressed. These are biblical ideas, right? As and, well as Christ died for sinners, of which I'm foremost. Right. That's right. And you're quoting right there from Isaiah through Luke. Yeah, Luke four, which is through Isaiah Jesus, 61, sixty-one. I maybe. think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And and uh, recently, I, I read at some point where um, uh, one pr- prominent conservative evangelical was answering the question: uh, Did Jesus preach the gospel? Mm. And uh, mm. that, and they had to do a lot of like kind of uh, uh, <laughs> uh, g- gymnastics to find a place where Jesus mentioned something about justification, uh, which I was thinking like, of course he preached the gospel. He literally says, "I came to preach the gospel," right? And then he and then he's quoting things like, "Well, you just did it, Isaiah sixty-one." Yeah, right. Yeah, and so or, I think that or wh- or, yeah, or were that person? I don't know who you're talking about. And I don't want to know. Um, but, um, you know, when Jesus says the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, right? Um, maybe is kind of uh, tying these th- things together. Yeah, this that's idea, right. The kingdom, repentance and faith and good news um, for sure. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so so I want us, you know, I want to put forward a definition today that that is um that rejects a simply either or way of thinking. Right. And this uh, by kingdom of God kingdom coming, or cross. a new world, That's right. or just substitutionary atonement died for me. Yeah. Individual salvation. Yeah. Because um, uh, let's, let's talk for briefly about this, Reed. When you think about the, the kingdom aspect, if, if we're, again, if we're thinking on the binary, we're thinking either or, uh, what are the dangers of a gospel of the kingdom only? Well, I, I think my experience has been intellectual and sociological on this, Jesse, where you start to read people who are saying, hey, we need to emphasize the kingdom of God um, because the, the Bible does, right? The the kingdom of God is hand, repent, repent and believe the good news. This yeah. is Jesus saying there is an imminent kingdom, which I, I personally think means the rule and reign of Christ or the Messiah, the king, right? The kingdom is all that which is under his rule and reign. Um when we hear that, 
re-emphasis focus on the kingdom, sometimes what happens is that people leave out the other stuff that's clearly in the Bible as well. And so I think that's where a little of the suspicion comes. So the danger of a kingdom-only approach, you know, for instance, people say, well, hey, what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom? Well, you do the works of the kingdom. What does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? Um, you just, uh, all you do is do good things, right? You do nice things to your neighbor. You, you love people. And that is a reflection of Jesus. And so that's part of the kingdom of God, even if you don't believe in him. So atheists can be part of the kingdom of God under the rule and reign of Christ because they're doing good things. Or somebody who worships a different God, who makes up gods. Uh, I guess you could be a Scientologist if you're nice and be part of the kingdom of God. And that's where it breaks down for me. Because uh, the the idea of a king or a Christ or anointed Messiah leader means, right, that he is ruling my life, and I'm conscious of that. Yeah. And I think that's where faith, repentance and faith, comes like I'm putting myself under the rule and reign of Christ, and I now belong there because of his sacrificial death, because he paid for my sins, fulfilling you know the Levitical sacrifice of the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. And then I become a person who's been redeemed, or Colossians 1, I think, says he's been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So you get this kingdom transfer, and now, of course, you want to follow him and obey him, doing the works of the kingdom empowered by his spirit. Right, right. Um, so the kingdom-only view, I think, leaves out, leaves me my sin, leaves me, uh, if you read the New Testament, under the wrath of God, um, outside strangers to the covenants, foreigners to the kingdom. Um, but yet people want to say, well, we don't want to say somebody's out, so we'll just say everybody's in if they do nice things. And I think that misses huge parts of the gospel. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, what, you mentioned this, that uh, oftentimes when we, in the gospel of the kingdom, when we view the reign of Christ coming, the good news, you know, liberty to the captives, right. uh, good news to the poor, uh, a lot of times we think of Jesus as this sort of cosmic ruler who's who's making things better, but we don't in the, in that category. Oftentimes, people don't view him as a lord of their own personal life, so that right, they right. they live in this sort of tension between um, they. There's not really a, a call to personal holiness for for many people in right, this camp, right. while there is a call to love their neighbor, and they and actually they demonstrate this in ways that are challenging. Uh, and even maybe rebuking to those who are in the more conservative camp. Now, I'm not saying everyone. Yeah, because there's a problem if you think Jesus just died for me, and what's the purpose of that? So I can go to heaven right. and not give a crap about anybody. Yeah, but now you're getting into the other side, yeah, right? So the, right, pro- the problem right. is with the only the cross view is yeah. oftentimes that, right? Yeah. Like it's it can, it can pretty easily devolve into personal salvationism in the sense of the main... Reason, Jesus, you know, if I was the only person alive on earth, he would have died for me. He would have died for me anyway. So I could go to heaven. So I could get to heaven, right? And now do whatever I want. Or My my big problem with that view is not that I I certainly believe Jesus died for me when I became a Christian. I I had to believe that. It was a wonderful, it's good news, right? It's good news. Um, That that's the case. But I think this is what Pastor Pastor James of Jerusalem, uh, the author of the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus, was getting after when he says, hey, show me your faith and I'll show you my works. And you're saying you have faith, but you have no works. He goes, can such a faith save you? Uh, No, 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 that's a worthless faith is what he's saying. So his idea was, look, if you have faith in Jesus, you become his son, daughter, by faith. You become part of the kingdom, and then you follow and obey him, which includes loving others, serving people, uh, proclaiming liberty to the captive, caring about uh, those who are, are poor, caring about justice for people and not corruption yeah. in, in, in the way we interact in our communities. 
um, I think that's a big problem too. And there is a reality, particularly in America, and I think maybe this is being called out, is that we are just really Americans who like our money, like our comfort, like our yeah. even our whiteness that's been brought up, right, uh, for the white folk who, who maybe claim Jesus. Uh, but without... Uh, the works of the kingdom, and that seems a little dead or a little uh, disingenuous. That's right. That's right. And and that you know, the more that you read uh, the gospel, the more that you read the book of Acts, the more that you read the uh, the prophets, um, the the harder it is to see that as the gospel, as if that's the only thing. Because when when you hear Jesus say, you know, I come to proclaim the good news, and then he's talking about things that don't they're not about like just about me personally and my salvation and, and I, my, my ticket into heaven. Uh, there's this kind of discordance that makes us have to then do uh, gymnastics to say that Jesus preached the gospel instead of just simply saying, of course he preached the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. He was, of course. Right. He, he, he was the son of God in the flesh. He, he came saying uh, in a sense, I am the gospel. I am right. the good news. Here I am. I'm the way, and, the truth, and, and life. Uh, no and, one comes to the Father. But that's right. Yeah. And we would say in that he's unifying these two yeah. views. This, there's a perplexing verse that I read in the in the New Testament, probably around 2006. Um, I'd read this book before, but I kind of had a pause on it. I believe I, I don't have it up before me. If I believe it's Galatians three, maybe five or eight, maybe um, where it says uh, Abraham having the gospel preached to him beforehand. Yeah. And I'm like whoa, 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 whoa. What? So here we have a post-cross-death resurrection of Jesus, the Apostle Paul writing about Abraham, right, the, the father of faith where the nation of Israel flows forth from. Uh, Abraham heard the gospel, and I think it even quotes it in Galatians 3. Uh, he, he preached the gospel to him saying, in you all the nations of the world would be blessed, end quote, right? Okay, so in some sense, that's the gospel. Uh, that is good news that there's a blessing to come through the seed of Abraham, so did Jesus preach the gospel? Of course. He's the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham from the fulfillment of the law of Moses, uh, who is the king of kings sitting on the throne of David. All these things, right, which is the whole Bible again, um, can be included in the gospel. But I think sometimes we get caught up with like, well, how do I present the gospel, like in a sales pitch or something? Yeah. What what should I include or not include? And maybe uh, there are summaries of the gospel, because if you got five minutes to talk to somebody and That's ask right. you what is the gospel, you're not going to read the whole Old Testament to them. That's right, yeah. yeah. Actually, I love that you brought up Galatians 3, because in that you have this word uh, for gospel that is uh, euangelion, uh, which is where we get uh, actually the Latin word, the transliteration of that was uh, evangelium, which is where we get the word evangelical or uh, evangelism. Uh, the evangel is the good news, and 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 traditionally in in the Greco-Roman culture, uh, to have the euangelion would be uh, um, to to have the good news that some kind of big thing happened, so right? Victory, a victory happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, famously, the famous one would be the Battle of uh, of uh, of Marathon, where uh, the story of uh, Pheidippides, a messenger who ran the roughly 26.2 miles from the Battle of Marathon to Athens to, to declare the good news, the euangelion, yeah. uh, that there was a victory over the Persian army. Uh, and so, and so, so they, so they told what was his name, Theripides? Uh I think it's Pheidippides. Pheidippides. Yeah, they told him, "Hey, yo, run and tell that." That's what they told him. Yeah, All right. yeah, you've got the good news. Go tell that. You're, to yeah. You, you have endurance. Right. They need to know you survived, and they need to know because everybody back home is sitting there wondering: is it, gonna, Are the Persians yeah. going to come over the hill, or crush or, or are, are our people coming back home? Yeah. Are my, is Dad coming home, or is it the Persian army? Yeah. And so they sent him to run ahead. 
Uh, and so he comes in declaring the good news, right? Saying, good news, we won. Yeah. Some of your dads are coming home, you know? And so uh, in that sense, you've got this word gospel, the euangelion, used in, in a variety of different ways in the New Testament. And, uh, and, and that part in Galatians 3 is a perfect example of this, where uh, there's the simple good news that in you the nations will be blessed. But this is connected to this whole—I mean, he's, he's really unpacking the idea of justification by faith in Galatians 2 and 3, specifically with Abraham, saying, listen, yeah. Abraham wasn't justified because he did a lot of good stuff. Right. Uh, he, he wasn't. And he, you know what? He wasn't. He was justified because he had faith. He believed and that yeah. made him and justified meaning he trusted in God. Yeah, yeah. He trusted in God. And what that did is justification, which means uh, he was made right with God, that, yeah. that, that he wasn't made right with God because he did all the right stuff or offered all the right sacrifices. Uh, and so so Paul even here is he's he's weaving these together seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, so that it's not. And, and what, yeah, so that it's not just either or, right. but it's also not both. So here's, here's my vision that I want to put forward today. The gospel spiral. Spiral. All right, the gospel spiral. So uh, I was inspired to think of it this way uh, when I was thinking about, there, there was a book written, it's probably 20 years old, The Hermeneutical Spiral by Grant Osborne. Uh, been pretty uh, influential in, in understanding the scripture and seeing how, um, how how different things interplay and help shape our understanding. I actually, uh, I'm most shaped by uh, Andreas Kostenberger's book, um, which I actually don't remember the name of it. I'm, man. Is it the one we talked about, the hermeneutical triad? It is, triad? The, the hermeneutical triad. Yeah, I think we'll it's find an introduction to biblical read, interpretation. Read his looking for it right yeah. now. Uh, where the hermeneutical triad is, uh, is, is, uh, is uh, literature, theology, and history. And these things work together to, there it is, biblical interpretation. Yeah, invitation, invita- invitation, invitation to, to biblical, biblical interpretation. interpretation. And so, um, and so I, I started to think about how the gospel has, ha, it has a core, right? Inside of the gospel is a nucleus, yeah. uh, uh, to quote from Nacho Libre. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, inside of the gospel, there's a core. There's something central. There's a tight, unifying center that cannot be changed. And, and, uh, and this is a center that I would want to put forward would be recognizable to first century Jews, even as it's recognizable to 21st century Americans, right? Like there's something central and unifying and biblical in the center. Uh, that, and, then, and then what that does is that that spins out uh, implications in f- as, it, as, it, as, it, as it kind of moves out in fullness. Now, as, if we think about it this way, just conceptually, um, when, a, when something kind of spins out or spirals out, it's traveling through horizontal and vertical axes. And so, uh, and, and seamlessly, when does it transition from being a vertical reality to, you know, one, one place where this is really helpful to think about is the idea of, of justice, that typically justice uh, is thought of as a horizontal thing. Like this is where uh, we right the wrongs that have been done in the world. We we right all the wrongs. Sometimes this comes out with maybe racial reconciliation in our modern times. Restoring peace. Yeah, restoring right. peace. But but in the Get Old what Testament, you deserve. <laughs> yeah, the, in the Old Testament, the the idea of of right of justice was intimately connected to the idea of God's Hesed love, which is His covenantal loving kindness. His uh, He has bound Himself to His people, so that justice wasn't just you get what you deserve. It wasn't just innocent people walk, walk away free, guilty people are punished. It wasn't just 
uh, setting these sort of things to rights. It was God binding himself to his people and extending love that was surprising, uh, love that was um, personal, love that was uh, uh, redemptive and restorative. And so in, in the spiraling out from the center core, uh, we see justice is not just a horizontal thing, or, or it's not just a vertical thing in the concept of justification by faith, uh, but these things are interconnected, they're related, they're biblically unified. And I want to say, here's my, here's my attempt at a core, Read My attempt at a core is this. Uh, the gospel is the good news that Jesus, the Messiah King, has come and is coming again. Mm. Okay, now listen, I know this could be bigger. We could say Jesus, the Messiah King, uh, has come, lived, died, rose, and is coming again. I would, I would, I would accept that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to keep it as or, tight as I can. Or Jesus, it. the divine Messiah King, the God Man Messiah has, King, has, the incarnate divine Messiah King. That's has right. Come, lived, died, rose from the dead for us, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yeah. And now you're getting into, a, and I love, <laughs> and I love what you're doing because you're you're connecting in with a historical document, yeah. right? Something that our uh, our ancestors would have uh, would have maybe sung or prayed in church in the Apostles' Creed, yeah. And then the Nicene, you know, yeah. if, if we can keep this concilia- conciliatory as far as with the councils and the creeds, let's do it. But uh, what I want to get out with this is Jesus, and now we got a personal name because it, it, what I want to see there is that the that God has come in the flesh. There's an incarnation here. Yeah. Uh, that Jesus has is the Messiah King, and what Messiah King does is Messiah brings together this Isaiah 53 picture of the anointed one. Messiah means to be the, 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 the smeared on one, the one in whom the oil has been smeared on, the, the, the chosen one, the one who would come in order to die, mm-hmm. uh, the one that would come and bear the sins, the one that the book of Hebrews points back and says, hey, bulls and goats couldn't take away your sin with their blood. It, it had to be the Son of God. He had to come in our flesh uh, he had to experience what we experience. Uh, he had to willingly go to the cross, uh, and then and, and then he was the one who God chose, who who God then anointed uh, to to bear our iniquities, uh, to take him to the cross, to die in our place. King. So when we when King brings together this Davidic line, this promise that God makes David, uh, that there would be one in his line that would rule forever, and that in that ruling he's going to. Uh, he's going to bring the nations together, that the nations will come to worship, that the nations will no longer be crushing God's people, uh, but will be ruled by God's true king in the line of David. Uh, uh, Paul brings these things together in Romans 1 when he talks about Jesus. Is uh, Here, let me read you Romans 1. This is one of my favorite places to go to to, to see the union of, of Messiah and king. Uh, he says this about, he says, uh, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Again, this means Messiah Jesus, the, the Christus, the, 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 the anointed one, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel, the euangelion of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. Here's the gospels coming through the prophets and the Bible concerning his son. Right here, this is this is where you're you're helping me input this idea that God in in the flesh, who descended from David. Now, now, why is that important? Why is he not saying descended from Abraham or Moses? Well, I think we're going to see that in a, in a minute. Why descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pause there. 
I think what he's doing in this in Romans 1 is saying uh, this declaration to be the Son of God in power, uh, it's not as though Jesus becomes the Son of God at the resurrection. Right, right. It, it's not as though he wasn't already claiming it. It's not as, it, that's not what's happening. What's happening is in the resurrection, we have this, uh, this climactic moment of inauguration of the king. This is why I think he's saying th- from the line of David, and then he's adding, he's our Lord, yeah. because in the resurrection, he was vindicated as the king, the risen king. You know, it's uh, interesting just to bring it into you know, our, our lives a bit, is that human beings, we're always looking for a rightful ruler. Um, now, some of us are declaring that to be ourselves. I'm the rightful ruler of everything. Maybe that's our moment. Others are crying out for, like Aristotle, philosopher king, a perfect smart guy like that could be our ruler. Others would be, hey, we want a power glorious dictator. Yeah. Others would say we want, you know, a parliament. We're always looking, what is the rightful rule in the world? Because we see a lot of wrongful rule, sinful rule, broken rule. And I think, I think what Romans 1 is telling us is our rightful ruler is is Jesus, is yeah. God, God's yep. king, right? The one that uh, created us, the one who died to bring us back, the one who redeems, the one who now then rightfully is Lord uh, That's right. of, of our lives together. That's right. And That's the right. nations. And the nations, which he goes on to say, uh, we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, Romans is going to work out this idea of the cross. The, the cross is, the good news is, God, God's son came and he went to the cross for us. And, we believe, and, but, and yet it starts with this picture of the king. The king has come. The king has been coronated. That's right. uh, and then we have the hope that he'll come again. And, and, so, and he's a humble servant king. He's a sacrificial king. Yep. He's, he's a dying for people king, not to kill people, to be king king. That's and, right. And that's important because the kings of the earth are like that, right? They yeah. have their boots on the necks of people. They take it for personal gain. They use people. They, they have political expediency. And Jesus is the loving servant of his people, even the good shepherd who leads us today, guides us from things, and brings us forward in, into a kingdom where sin, death, hell will be eradicated, and that requires God's right judgment. That's right, right. yeah. Of, of the nations even. Yep. Um, and he's the right judge as well as the right king. That's right. And so, and so we have here in the bullseye, Jesus, the Messiah King, has come. Yeah, this is good news. He came into our world. There's, you know, he didn't leave us separate. Uh, and, you know, he didn't come just to destroy us. And, and, and unlike Herod, the he, false he, king. He came for his own. He came for his own. Unlike yeah. Herod, the false king, who, uh, who was going to kill the little boys. To keep power. Uh, unlike the other gods who demanded the firstborn of the people, uh, God gave his own firstborn for us. Right. And uh, so he came. He came for us. Uh, and he will come again. And this this gets at the hope that uh, that this prevents us from the danger of thinking it's all up to us. We are going to realize the kingdom on our own in this earth right yeah. now. Yeah, we're going to build it through the Republican Party, the Democratic Party. That's right. Fascism, yeah. uh, socialism, democratic yeah. socialism. Whatever ism you pick yeah. is yeah. going to work. It's not going to work because God is going to come again. Jesus will come again. And this also is good news. Uh, and so here's what I want to say that from this central core, which gets at both horizontal and vertical realities, Messiah, I'm going to argue, is is somewhat maybe more of the vertical plane that I've got a problem with God. My own sin is that problem. Uh, there must be blood, and then and then he has come and shed his own blood for me. He's the anointed one. Yeah. And then there's a horizontal reality, victory. 
the victory of God, the uh, the the appointment of Jesus to rule over until that day when he hands the kingdom over to his father, uh, that there's, um, yeah, that there's, there's this, uh, bullseye that, that incorporates both. And then it spins out. And, and, uh, and the interesting thing to think about in this is as we outwork from this, uh, we find things like, um, is, uh, biblical justice here on earth. And is it the gospel and outworking of the gospel? Well, I think it's an outworking of the gospel, right? Uh, but it's but it's outworking from the core, which is that God, the just God, is both the just and the justifier. He That's is right. both setting the world to right. That's he's right. judging the, the the he's judging evil, and he's also uh, making us right with him through the sacrifice of his son. Right. And so, so to me, the interesting question isn't us versus them, uh, binary kind of one side or the other. The in- interesting question for us to discuss maybe in a further podcast is where is the boundary where this spiral. Uh, becomes more of just optional you yeah, know yeah, uh, yeah. when 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 do you go from gospel core gospel implications and into vocation where if you want to do this absolutely but it's not a gospel thing right uh, and that's something that i think would be fun for you and i read to pick up yeah. on another podcast now in the meantime let me ask you a question here yeah here we are uh, we're in the age of outrage where uh, um, uh, you can really flame someone on Twitter and get some attention. Yeah. Uh, you and, can build an entire identity ministry platform just on social media. These you days. can. You can. And, uh, and discernment has been, uh, has been changed from uh, seeing the good in things, learning how to taste something and, and discern the good flavors, and it's turned into uh, pointing the finger and, and yelling at other people and showing yeah, how wrong yeah. they are. So in, in the midst of this, where the gospel is like right in the middle of this conversation, uh, Reed, help us, help us out here. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> Give us some terms of engagement for evangelicals. How do we, uh, how do we navigate this, uh, this conversation? You know, in, in terms of interacting with others, I think Jesus uh, obviously is our, both our example and our leader, um, and the way he interacted with people, certainly he was truthful. So we want to be truthful. We don't want to misrepresent people. We don't want to say things that they didn't say that they, you know, say they said it. Um, but he was also, uh, you know, charitable, kind, humble. I mean, the one who really, if anybody could have blown everybody up, it, it was Jesus. Yeah. Um, so speaking the truth clearly, um, with integrity, but yet in humility, uh, the difference between us and Jesus, though, is that he, we're not the Messiah King. We're servants of that guy. Um, so I think we don't want to give false testimony about people. We don't want to use controversy to build our brand and platform. This is a problem, right? This is the way people get uh, Twitter famous or social media engagement is that somebody says something, we start subtweeting it, um, you know, so we can get credit. We can link up to somebody we don't agree with who's maybe famous. Uh, and then, and then we form a coalition or a guiding thing that, you know, now all me and my friends are against this person or that person. Uh, and really we're not interacting with them. We're just platforming ourselves. And I think this is, uh, problematic uh, in our culture today where everybody has a voice to everyone so they think um, so I, I think we need to be humble respect you know old school stuff like respecting our elders respecting those who actually know what they're talking about uh, and being kind to others and gentle and respectful as we give a reason for the hope hope that we have that's good that's good let me add one thing um, I try to live by this rule that I, I don't say anything on social media that I wouldn't say if the person was 
sitting down with me. Yeah, that's, um, that's it, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's good. good. Yeah, and where fact, you could see the tears well up in yeah. their eyes <laughs> when you say hard things, or I could consider, yeah. I could consider um, what this person might do in response to hearing what I'm about to say. Yeah. Right, like, like, like if would, if I think this person might storm off or give or, you a smackdown, give me a smackdown, or or uh, or say or cry or say boom roasted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, then I I want to reconsider. It, number one, maybe it's still the truth. Uh, but is is it the kind of truth that needs to be said publicly? Uh, yeah. That's a question I want to ask. And then secondly, maybe it's the truth, but there's no way to convey the right tone yeah. and, and, and without sitting down person to person. I mean, we, I know you and I are both somewhat on social media. One of the things that, that I've tried to do as well is if I disagree with someone, it's something they've said, and I actually know them, I send them a Twitter message and say, hey, man, right. what, do you, what do you mean by this? And what about that? You, you might be construed this way as an act of kindness to them in friendship rather than just tweeting them where somebody who knows somebody's name yeah. is saying something against somebody on yeah. Twitter where it just turns into silliness. Amen. And so um, I'm trying to use this. This is going to sound really like silly and maybe snowflakey. I'm trying to use Twitter and social media to be friends with people. And to share my life with people. At all. And so uh, I, I know, I, you know, I don't have a gazillion Twitter followers or anything, but I just try to share what's going on in my life or something I'm excited about, something I love, something true, something good, rather than using it as a platform to platform myself or debate people or boom people, smack them down. I just feel like, man, when I get tempted to do that, and I've done that a few times, even like 30 seconds later, de- deleting a tweet. Cause like, <laughs> why did I say that's just me being like a, you know, a punk, you know, I just know not needed. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Reed. Now, speaking of things we that we books love. And, tech <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, movies yeah. and things, but don't care enough to write anything. It's not a review. We're not that now, into it. Reviewish. So Reed and I, we saw Captain Marvel together in the same movie theater. About an hour an apart. An hour apart, yeah. one theater apart. And yeah. uh, I had a better looking date than you. You did. I, I, I far better looking. <laughs> I was with a couple of my Bonhoeffer House guys. <laughs> yeah. And you were with? I was with my wife. Yeah, that was me out on a date to, to uh, go see Captain clear. Marvel. Um, we, we, our family is properly oriented in the world that we like Marvel Universe better than the DC <laughs> Universe because there are some things that are bi- that's binary. That's, that's binary. Right. That's exactly you know, right. I've said this There's before. no spiral here. If you're if every character in your universe ends with man or woman and some <laughs> goofy adjective, you, then you're probably not that great of a yeah. comic book universe. Yeah, so you, can, the, you can get a little more creative. Than that's that. right. That's yeah. right. So Captain Marvel or Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, yeah, we we went to see it, man, and the controversial movie because like people are saying stuff about it. Those who created it's like, hey, we're going to make the most feminist movie ever. Uh, have a new Disney princess, but she's like, you know, save, you know, savior of the universe, Captain Marvel, uh, and others reacting to that, bringing into like, well, we don't want women in the military, so why right. do we want yeah. a woman warrior saving us? That was a Desiring God review article by by a young guy. I think this this article is getting beat up by everybody. When I think this is a young guy writing something that he cares about, maybe using the wrong. A foil for his uh, yeah. his his platform discussion of women in the military using Captain Marvel, which I think using comic book superheroes and real world issues of sending women off to war is a different kind of uh, different discussion. You should use a different maybe example. Than yeah, that. but yeah, yeah I, I liked think, yeah. it. I like Captain Marvel quite a bit. It was uh, my wife and I had an interesting discussion in the theater about why, uh, at least in superhero world, both men and women have to be the most beautiful creatures ever in the human <laughs> race. You know, you got Chris Evans and what, who is the Thor? Oh, the, Thor. The, you know, I don't know. The uh, Australian guy. I'm going to act like I don't know his name. That, that my daughters all could, you blush at because they think he's gorgeous. And then cer- certainly... He, 
He's like a real man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, unlike like, Chris Pratt, and then yeah, unlike Chris Pratt, who's like half a real man, the <laughs> Guardian of the Galaxy. No, it was that Ragnarok? I was in Ragnarok. Okay. So like we were talking about like you know Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel are like the most beautiful. In in uh, what's their name? Natasha Romanoff, uh, Black Widow. They pick these actresses and actors that are just like unbelievably gorgeous people. Um, so that was a little goofy, but we were we were like um, we enjoyed that's, it. But you that's know? just I mean every movie is I like guess, that, right? I, guess I mean that's a, we're not. I casting guess, normal people i guess that's indicative of our culture yeah. we have to have these people be our superheroes yeah. and they yeah. have to look like that but um, and they do look like that in the comic books too yeah they do well they look ridiculous ridiculous subhumanly yeah. yep. like yeah those aren't aren't good for teenage boys at yeah. times but yeah we we really liked it you know we knew that there were you know the the writers wanted to make a feminist movie we knew uh that you know women's empowerment was going to be a theme and, and, and intentionally done and you can see that throughout the movie um, I just thought it brought up a good discussion that my wife and I had about gender, what's cultural, what's uh, yep. what's God designed, what's biological, you know, what's uh, you know, what are people fostering on each other in terms of gender? But it, you know, it was a little heavy-handed, like every cliche of women's oppression, like little girl can't race a go kart. Spoilers coming. Uh, yeah, little yeah, girl's yeah. told she can't be in the military. She can't climb the rope, even you know, like yeah. the physical strength test. It's just typically harder if you have le- less testosterone. Uh, to the point where even the her male commander in the Cree army is telling you know, she tells him at the end, definitive, I don't need you. I don't yeah, need yeah. Which is great, you know. And I have two daughters. You know, they're brilliant. You know, one wants to be an engineer, one wants to be an entrepreneur. Um, all for it, all in. Um, there's certain parts of feminism I love. What I don't like about our culture is that we kind of eradicate the beautiful differences between men and That's women. That's right. Um, and I, and I didn't feel like the movie was so much doing that. It was yeah. it was kind of it was parading some tropes around, a, a kind of as foils to to so so that the the strong femininity would bl- blossom yeah but yeah. i i was i watched it and just thought it's a little cheesy at times but a lot of the movies are yeah, and yeah. and i'm okay with that and yeah, it's like that's a little heavy-handed yeah but, you know women's empowerment you know in our time is probably good but here's another thing casey and i talked about afterwards is it really wrong like say for a woman who wants to you know be a stay-at-home mom uh, rather than be Captain Marvel or or Girl right. Have Your Vision, whatever that book is that's out today, um, is it really wrong? See, that's where we 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 were a little bit frustrated. It's like our world wants to say women can't have choices. You have to either be like all powerful, empowered mm. woman, or you know you're doing something wrong for the the, the side of the species. If you're if you really yeah. want to be a wife and a mother, um, so we don't think canceling gender is a good idea, but cooperatively Amen. working together with our gifts in the world through 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 you know, as Christians through the kingdom through the church in, in the ways God has made and called us. Um, and they, that a real discussion of women in combat, like do yeah, I yeah, want yeah. like selective service, right? Women being drafted to go fight in combat units. N- neither one of my daughters wants to do that. They don't have any desire to do that, or do they feel particularly suited for that? Um, that's a different discussion. Yeah. Let's keep Captain, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah. Let's just enjoy our superhero <laughs> yeah, movies, can we? Right, uh, right. I did enjoy it. Um, I would recommend, you know, if yeah. you're into superhero movies. I actually may take my daughter. Yeah, take her, man. Yeah. Um, you brought up a funny point at the end. She's like washing dishes, but yet you know, like telling Nick Fury kind of how to how the future of the world's going to go, which yeah. is kind of a funny like woman doing it all kind of scene, I yeah. guess. Yep, yep. Captain Marvel, 
Yeah, but for the most part, Marvel Cinematic Universe, just go see them. Yeah. It's our recommendation and review-ish. If it's DC, ask a friend who actually knows things. He'll tell you, yes, Aquaman, no Green Lantern, you know, be safe. Hey, Green Lantern's yeah. a, it doesn't have a man. It's not Green Lantern Man. Oh, Green Surprisingly. Lantern. Well, there you go. Yeah, there it is. There you go. And it happens to be the worst it happens movie. happens to be the stupidest Oh, <laughs> uh, well... Uh, thank you for joining us today, friends. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. And send your comments, feedback, and or questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, and we hope to see you there. With Green Lantern Man. Peace. Peace.